0: Welcome to the Soho Playhouse Podcast. I'm Darren Lee Cole. This is a show about off-Broadway theater and how it serves the cultural landscapes of New York City, the United States, and the world. We'll chat with the incredible creators and influencers of this unique art form. So now, come with me backstage. From way down under in Adelaide, Australia, I sat down for this conversation with Heather Kroll. She's the executive director of the Adelaide Fringe Festival. While it may be on the fringe of our world, Adelaide Fringe is the biggest arts festival in the Southern Hemisphere, and it includes nearly 400 venues all across Southern Australia. In this year, the 31-day festival featured more than 5,000 artists and more than 900 events, and it sold more than 630,000 tickets. Managing all of that is a huge job. So let's learn more about it from today's guest and my friend, Heather Kroll. Adelaide Fringe Festival is massive. It is. It's the second largest festival in the world or something like that, right?
1: It's the second largest after Edinburgh Fringe. So, when we talk about largest, we're really talking about ticket sales because um, that's really what we're always trying to do is grow audiences. Um, and so, Edinburgh sells over two million tickets a year. Wow. We're we're on our way to almost a million a year now. So. For an arts festival, that is a pretty staggering number of tickets. And so, yeah, we are the largest uh, arts festival after Edinburgh Fringe, and we attract hundreds of shows from all over the world. This year, we have 1,300 shows in the program
0: 1,300 shows. <laughs> that's right. And you know, that's going to be the first question everybody would want me to ask you. Yeah. How do you get your head around that? So, like, you're the director yes. of this wonderful Fringe Festival, and by mm. the way, I want to mine a little more about something you said about how we platform artists and all of that. Yes, of but course. But let's just talk. About, like, first things first. It seems ominous. How how does it work? How does it come how, together? Yeah. How does it come together? How do you how do you attract these shows? Mm. Do they find you? Do you find them? And it's so many. You must have a lot of people. Helping, or is that true?
1: Well, it it's all of those things because we are an open access festival. So that means that anybody can be in the Adelaide Fringe. Anybody can register a show in the Adelaide Fringe. It's our job to make sure that if they want to, we make it possible. So, we help them find a venue. So, for example, our online platform that we built in the last few years is really a matchmaking service between artists and venues. So, if you're an artist and you want to register in Adelaide Fringe, you begin the registration online, just like any online registration for anything, and then if you're a venue in Adelaide and you want to be part of the Adelaide Fringe, you want your venue to be part of Adelaide Fringe. You on the, on another sort of. Um Ele- on another side of the portal right. you register your venue so the venue
0: can go in and register as, That's as right. well and then do you and play some matchmaking with
1: well who we've got go an automated it's 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 a search it's based on uh, matchmaking what people are looking for so if i have a venue and it's a cabaret style seating set up and it's got a stage could fit you know six performers on it and we could fit 200 people in my venue then i would put describe all of that in the venue registration. So, there's a lot of different areas. So, you describe all that. Right. So, if I have
0: a really small, intimate piece, I realize, well, that venue might not be the ideal one for me, but then the one that's 60 and is intimate.
1: Yes. So, then you come in and you say, okay, I'm looking for a a venue that's good with comedy or good with (laughs) dance or suitable for cabaret or whatever. And with it hundreds of seats or 20 seats, whatever you like, because anything can be a venue in Adelaide. Like, we've got sh- shows in a laundromat. We've got shows in a toilet.
0: I saw one in a bar last night. Actually, one of my favorite shows, not this season, but two seasons ago, was Chamber Pot Opera which was indeed in the women's bathroom of a movie house. That's
1: right. That was a couple of years ago in Fringe. And we've even got shows in swimming pools. We have shows in hot air balloons. We have shows in boats. Literally, we have... 500 venues participating this year in the Adelaide Fringe so so what happens is first of all you come on and I think in order for people to just have an immediate imagine like to imagine the system of this easily they might think of Airbnb so if you want to put your house on Airbnb you can, and if you don't want to, you don't have to. So doing a fringe show is not compulsory, obviously, but although <laughs> we do love to see them, um, so yeah, so yeah, we, we might <laughs> have to remind some folks of that.
0: But go ahead.
1: <laughs> so when you do, when you if you want to put your house on Airbnb, it's a great way to find people who are sure. looking for a holiday booking because that's where people go when they're looking. Right. And if people are looking to go out in, a, in the month of February, March in Adelaide, they come to the Adelaide Fringe website. So it's a really good idea if you've registered your show in the Adelaide Fringe because that's where millions of eyeballs are. Our website's probably one of the busiest websites in it, South Australia.
0: Truly. And uh, also what I really admire about your festival in particular is the breadth that's of, right. of, of work... And also, it's a true international festival. It really is. Here I am from Soho Playhouse in New York, uh, participating in something we're going to talk about in a minute yeah. called Honeypot. Uh, but do you have a sense of how many countries are represented here? Or it's truly it's international in scope?
1: Around about 100 countries are registered in the program. And so that's why it's important that all our registrations and so on are online these days. Obviously, Back in the old days, the fringe was a registration via post on the on a letter, you know, but that was decades ago. <laughs> but in that same way that when you put your house on Airbnb, you say it's three bedrooms, you say it does all these things, and then when people are looking for that, that's what they, they, that you come up in their search. And then that person books your house and the Airbnb takes the money and then the money goes to you. Right. So that's exactly how we work. So we... Uh, fringe shows register with us, and then we and, and venues and artists do a, bit, do a bit of matchmaking themselves. They do all they work all that out that between the two of them on the platform. Once they've agreed that it will be in that venue, it pops up onto our official program, into our website, into our printed guide, everywhere. And you're on, and then you're on, and then you just hope that lots of people buy tickets to your show. And I mean, last year we sold. Um, over seven hundred thousand tickets at the Adelaide Fringe and um, we and the goal are, is a million this year, and right? Uh, not this year, but over the next we we have set ourselves a goal of a million tickets within a few years. We're well on the way. I think we're probably um, going to sell more than eight hundred thousand tickets this year if well if everything's on track, uh, stays on track the way it is right now. And so this is, um, uh, you know, it is hard It is hard to explain because unless you actually see this festival in action, you sort of think, well, I know, I've seen a festival before in my own hometown, yeah. but this festival literally does take over the entire city. It's in the parks. There's, there's Spiegel tents and big top tents and right. tiny little yurts and little, there's all sorts of tents. It
0: really does. It's my second time here. I was here two years ago. Uh, in fact, did one of the original podcasts for Playhouse Experiences from the Crown and Anchor, which ironically is now home of the Fringe Club this year. It is. I've never in all my travels seen a city so throw themselves behind a yes. festival. It feels like it's a real community thing.
1: It's, a, it's it's the festival of the people, by the people, for the people. It really is absolutely and that's sort owned. of what it should be, right? So many have strayed from that. Absolutely. I I do not curate the fringe. It is truly open access. Anybody can have a show in the fringe and I just love that. Of course, that means that some shows are great and some aren't. But that's okay because it's fringe and anything goes. And it's truly part of the fun. Anything goes. And so... While I'm the custodian looking after it for now, and it's my job to make sure that we do implement new things and keep up with the times in terms of our ticketing platform needs to work well on your smartphones, and these are things that I'll you know <laughs> I spend most of my year doing. But and making sure that um, artists around the world know about Adelaide Fringe and how to register and all those sort of things. Then, but really we're just looking after it for a few years our fringe is 59 years old we started in 1960 next year we'll be 60 So you must
0: also be one of the older fringes uh, yes, out um, there
1: that's it we're the second oldest after edinburgh which i believe um,
0: was, is now 70, 70 mm. years or 71 yeah. or mm. something years old yeah so you're we're right a after them.
1: behind them and then most fringe festivals in the world are really around about 10 years old so um, about 1980, there was about, you know, a handful of fringe festivals in the world. Around sort of early 2000s, you're, you're looking at probably 60 or 70 fringe festivals in the world. Now we have 300 fringe festivals wow. in the world. So every city in the world just about has decided, wow, fringe is a good idea.
0: So people ask me all the time, you know, why, what is a fringe festival? And I explained that... I think the origin of as as far as my understanding is, is originally in Edinburgh, there was the large Edinburgh Festival Absolutely. every year, Arts Festival, and local artists felt like, well, the, you know, Bolshoi Ballet is coming in, but what about us? And so really unannounced almost. And unstructured originally, they built their own festival on the fringes. That's right. Is that that is that the is exactly origin right. story? So right? So
1: that's the right. Um, that's exactly right in Edinburgh, and still to this day, Edinburgh is true to the open access model like that as well. And Adelaide Fringe had exactly the same birthing. So um, the first Adelaide Festival of Arts was 1960, and similar, you know, shows coming in from all over the world, and the local artists said, well why can't we be in the program? So it was really born out of bravery, um, out of a sort of a, um, a, a, a desire to be heard, uh, a celebration of free speech, a celebration of uh, performers being able to just put on their own shows and that really
0: is the core of fringe right that that's is that simple spirit mm, and beauty
1: that is but some fringes around the world now use the word fringe but they don't they're highly curated they're very curated so there's there's sort of more you know and look language evolves and the word fringe does have a slightly different meaning now it just sort of means a a festival in some ways um but adelaide fringe and edinburgh fringe are two of the ones that have stayed absolutely true True to the original model access and we do not run any venues so we don't compete with any venue so um there's 500 venues around adelaide They are all run on, you know, they're run, they register on our platform. We don't preference one over the other. No matter how big or small no matter how big or small so some fringes nowadays they actually run their own venues or they curate their festivals so you know and i i have no judgment either way but i'm just saying that the open access model which i think is exciting and you know people talk now about disruptor companies like you know uber's the disruptor and airbnb well fringe is the original disruptor in the arts way back like You know, back in 1960 for us and 1950 or in the mid-40s in Edinburgh.
0: I think that's why as artists around the world we love it so much because it's the synergy of the openness of expression, that nobody's editing you, you get to go do your thing. And I think there's a real camaraderie built because we all know how much guts and yeah. work it takes to do these shows. Absolutely. And people really do rally around each other and support one another, don't they? Oh, the they?
1: artists are very supportive of each other during the Fringe, absolutely. And, I mean, the thing about a Fringe model if you go down this open access road is that you know, you, you can't really guarantee what your box office will be or your fees or anything. So it, it is about the business side and the artistic side as well being coming together. Our job as a fringe is to make sure that um, the marketing is really strong, that Everyone in everyone knows about the Adelaide Fringe to come and buy. Not tickets. marketing,
0: of course, a specific show, but marketing the idea the that the shows live within. That's
1: it, yes. And then it's our job to make sure that we put on a brilliant ticketing platform to make sure ticketing is easy. And that also, um, one thing we do that most fringes don't do is we do a very sophisticated behind-the-scenes marketplace where we create opportunities for artists to meet people like yourselves so this year we have about 200 people who have descended into adelaide fringe from from adelaide from sydney melbourne paris munich you know london new London, new everywhere so around about 75 countries people who are scouting for shows scouting for talent so
0: that's really important because i think that's a lot of there's really two reasons I find, uh, of course there's many, many more, but two primary reasons is I want a chance to do my new play, my new idea, my new yeah. show in front of an audience and try it out. But then the other half is I'm hoping somebody that can quote-unquote next level yeah. my show will be able to see it. And The That's Fringe right. really provides a platform for that.
1: That's right. So um, we work really hard to make sure that it's it's as um, not ad hoc in the marketplace. We try to communicate very early with all these people that are coming in from all over the world. We find out what genres they're looking for in their festival. So they might be a festival director. Mm-hmm. They might be a venue curator. They could be someone programming cruise ships or they might even be people that are scouting for talent shows around the world on television. America's so Got Talent
0: was here are today. are out here looking and, and, and encouraging yeah.
1: people to audition and so on. Yes. So we, we find out what they're looking for for and we do a lot of work for them before they arrive so well we that's a
0: good segue into what really interested me mm. because i thought you've really done something unique that i hadn't seen yet in any other fringe when i first came two years ago and this is the idea of the honeypot mm. so for the people listening uh, let's talk first i want to finish just one thought it, it could sound in- intimidating, 1,300 shows. And if I'm some artist mm. sitting out there in the world listening to this, it, do they get scared? It's like, how could I ever make any noise amongst such yeah. a cacophony of shows? Mm. Uh, but they do get heard.
1: They really do. And the, the thing is that from the very beginning, the mo- well, I would say one of the most important things is when you first start to express interest in coming to Adelaide Fringe, is to do your research and find the venue that most fits with your values and most fits with the sort of show you are so not ev- like in those venues they've all got their own flavor they've all got their own focus they're very different and distinct uh, venues and have
0: really built their own audiences That's up right. over the years
1: exactly so audiences of some venues know that this is a comedy venue Sa- some know it's like the weird and wonderful late night cabaret stuff or people know that this is like really experimental fringe over here others will go for more you know a, a big music uh, there's big music programs in some places um v- lots of visual art as well but there's all sorts there's interactive there's games there's uh, magic is a growing a growing right. genre yeah and um so do your research go into the venue that suits your show the best and then also start to think about how you are going to do the marketing we do a lot of training online training um support services all that sort of thing to help people understand how to um, create a marketing campaign that's really going to cut through for their show. Good, because um, that, that, that's comforting for
0: artists. You're not just thrown to the wolves. Mm. You, you've got a home base with you and your wonderful staff and yeah. there's a support system i w-
1: there's a big support system here and we we have a thing called the fringe club and the fringe club is by day where artists can do business and meetings and network and prepare things like maybe photocopying their flyers or um, their reviews
0: and striping their reviews that's right and yeah so we give them flyers. all a
1: business center there and it's also just a great place to hang out we try to make it very nice and have the kit, you know, you can order food there and have drinks there and so on. And then at night, that fringe club becomes the place that everybody comes after the shows. All the artists, you have to have an access pass there. Um, and but so, but that's
0: where the great conversations all go down. Exactly. It's like that famous pint yeah. after the show. Yes. What did you think? What did you think? What did yes. you see? I saw this wonderful thing. And that and really. That's
1: where, and that's where you see the marketplace people as well. So you see the marketplace people in the club a lot. And obviously they're going to see shows as well, but they're also sharing knowledge with each other and they're also having meetings with with the artists. And, I mean, as you know, even just I've seen you in the last two days, um, just having so many meetings, going to see shows... Making the connections. You might meet someone you think was not right for your venue. Right. But you will immediately think, I think you're good for this other venue that it, I just it's
0: happened to me four times today. Mm. And we so there's this concept which is great for both the artists I feel and producers like myself, presenters, called honeypot. And I had never seen that before. I came here two years ago. And I think that's an absolute cracker of an idea. Yeah, so Be- it, so it's explain, really will you explain the yeah, inception of so Honeypot? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can talk a
1: little bit about how it came about. Um, so I came um, at the time when Honeypot was born. I wasn't the director of the Fringe. I was running uh, film festivals in those days. So film festivals ha- have got a long tradition of marketplaces um, you know, Something like Sundance is really a marketplace. Something like Cannes, Toronto, um, Tribeca. These film festivals are in the A-list of film festivals because of the marketplace in the background. And what's going on on the Quasette in Cannes is just... Thousands and thousands and thousands of meetings every day. And deals are going down. And deals are going down. So I was running a film festival and, and, and with a marketplace which I developed and we called our marketplace the Meat Market and it was very much based on this very curated one-on-one matchmaking thing that I, I guess I, I was a film producer for some time, long time, and I created the marketplace that I wish existed when I was a film producer. Right. And so,
0: so like the famous question is like, how do I mm. meet uh, yes. uh, Richard Jordan who mm. runs a great production company yeah. in London? And H- so how do yeah. I get connected with Soho Playhouse in New York? You know, instead of just throwing a dart on a dartboard and praying. Well, Honeypot specifically addresses that. And so
1: at the time, the festival, the director of the Adelaide Fringe was Christy Anthony. And we we knew each other very well. And we were talking about this market that I was running. And and she said, well, this is what I want to do. I will do that in the Adelaide Fringe. This is about 12 years ago. And so I... It's funny now, coincidentally, fast forward, I'm now the director at The Fringe. but um, And so I helped um, her set that up and gave her some framework ideas of just how to run such a market. Now, it was, it was going along quite nicely. It was getting about 40 or 50 delegates from around the world every year. But when I took over in um, 2015, I said, well... I said to the board like it's it this is this is not reaching its potential we could have five like five or 10 times the number of delegates this is it's just it's great but it's it's you know we've only just we haven't even started you know so I now have been the director of the fringe for 4 years and this year we have 250 buyers or delegates or w- delegates looking for shows people that are in the honeypot scouting for shows
0: so uh, of which I am one
1: you're one of them. And so I've really internationalized it and Yeah, it expanded. definitely
0: worked because I think I learned about it I think it was you that did a presentation at the Edinburgh Fringe.
1: That's right.
0: And, you know, like many people, I had always fantasized about making a trip to Australia, but it's so far away for us, literally the other side of the earth. But then it, it was really made the difference for a presenter, or producer like myself. Well, you I can felt like, oh, there's a real structure where I could go tap into. And I'm not just throwing darts. I have Heather. I have her staff. Mm. I have these great people that are totally tuned into and did the work yeah. of learning who I was and what I wanted, yes. and played matchmaker to great, great shows.
1: Yeah. So it's not speed dating. That's the thing that's important. And I think we do a lot more sophisticated research and matchmaking in advance of people arriving. So we try what we try to do, and we did this is you know something I did a lot in my film festival work as well. Is I want curators and buyers and people that can program the art or the films um, to come and do a serious percentage of their year's work at my festival that's what I want them to walk away going oh that was like that would have taken me six months to pull that off but I just did it in two weeks I, and I, th-
0: I think you've delivered that experience mm-hmm. uh, you know personally I found so many wonderful shows my first trip to Adelaide. I'm only, I'm barely a week in and it's it's an embarrassment of riches.
1: It really is. And the honey pot also drives the registration of brilliant shows because a lot of people come to Adelaide Fringe and they know that they're not um, maybe going to uh, they have to spend a lot of money on airline and accommodation. It's not it's not just about oh, yes, I'm going to go there, I'm going to do great box office, make loads of money. That's not what the perp- – yes, they want to do that and they want to make uh, good ticket sales and they want good audiences, but people are thinking much more strategically around long-term plans. They're thinking Adelaide Fringe is a launch pad, honeypots full of buyers, uh, bookers, uh, programmers, festival directors. That's where I can you know get and discovered.
0: And the, the proof of the pudding, of course, is in the tasting. Uh There are examples of people who have launched major now internationally famed careers out of Adelaide Fringe. That's right. Hannah Gadsby who we had, uh, the wonderful Hannah Gadsby started as a Fringe performer. We just had her, the Playhouse audience is familiar because she ran the net four months at Soho Playhouse. Uh, Fleabag, I believe, it was an Edinburgh Fringe in in this case, but a Fringe show that came out. Our audience listening here and now, Daniel Sloss, who's currently playing, is actually coming back in honor of Adelaide Fringe because he loves it so much.
1: And many, going way back, even long before Honeypot... There was, sh- I mean, even Stomp talk about Adelaide Fringe as their launch pad. Like, they, they came to Adelaide Fringe and they just didn't know what went on. It was like they just lit a little fire and it just torched exploded. the place. It exploded. They had to add more shows every day. They were just selling out. I was, r- coincidentally, I was running uh the star club that year which was a venue in 1992 in the fringe Mm. and that's where the that's where stomp was and that just went absolutely mental and um luke Luke who from stomp he even still to this day talks about how the adelaide fringe experience defined them
0: for you you've done something mm. right because there is a true loyalty to Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the out there the more audiences. so than any other fringe I know of people that have come here have gained success from being platformed here are loyal. They they love you and they love Adelaide.
1: Yeah, and also the Adelaide audiences have been trained with we were one of the first cities to have a major arts festival 1960 Uh, We had a big arts festival. Fringe already, you know, really starting to take momentum, get momentum in the 70s. We started in 60, very small. Um, So, Adelaide audiences have been trained well. And so, that's the other thing artists will say is that if you can can test new stuff in Adelaide, if it doesn't go well, you know you have to do a bit more work. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: not ready. It's not cooked yet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: And so, there's something about Adelaide being a festival city. I mean, there's other reasons why Adelaide's a great festival city. One of them is it's quite small and… It's a city that can be taken over, like the way the fringe takes yeah, over. Yeah,
0: and I don't think I'm staying in the c- CBD, called the Central Business District. Mm. And I don't think I've ever had to walk more than 20 minutes to no. get anywhere.
1: No way, you wouldn't. And so it's and it's surrounded by parklands. It's very picturesque. It's very small, very walkable city. And so that that's the sort of city that is usually great at festivals, like Avignon, uh, Edinburgh, is a small city as well, Adelaide. Um, and then, if you th- you know, if you th- just think about lots of big festivals in the world, they are often in small cities. They're right. not. It's not. Um, you don't think of London and then think of a festival. You just think of London as a city that's busy all the time. Right. But it, you don't attach it to a festival. Whereas you know, you think of a smaller city name, or even something going back to the film festivals. I mean, you think of um, something like Cannes or Sundance. I mean, they're tiny places, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, in them. Um,
0: and in California, my mother is a big fan of the Palm Springs. Palm Springs is and a wonderful that's, festival. And that's exactly what yeah. you said. It's yep. the kind of town that the mm. festival could come in and it, it the town is about that. That's right. For yeah. a section of time. So there's
1: something special about that. There's something special. And also Adelaide Fringe... Um, was a bit of a secret but for a long time, just to people of Adelaide. So we were selling hundreds of thousands of tickets, but we had almost no tourists. It was just the what people cha- of. Adelaide. What, what, what was the game changer there? We have well, the artists of the world have known about it, but we've since I came, it has been something that we've been working on with the government as well, and all and just in general, Adelaide and South Australia is becoming well known as a destination for people. Um, for all sorts of different holidays. I guess yeah, I was. Very but impressed. now cultural holidays and cultural holidays and arts experiences. And I think people always used to think, oh, you know, I'm going to Australia, I'm going to uh, the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast, Sydney, Ayers Rock. Maybe do a wine tour. Adelaide wasn't Margaret really River. as much. Now Adelaide is really front and centre in in tourists' minds. And also, um, people are looking for Aboriginal experiences as well in cultural, uh, those sort of cultural travellers. And so, we've seen a big rise in Aboriginal artists doing work in the Adelaide Fringe as well. So, there's 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 a lot going on in the world in terms of why people are travelling. Is it, the arts and culture is becoming more and more of reason why people are traveling.
0: Yeah, I want to give want to give a special recognition, and i noticed that that's, that has to do exactly with what we're talking about. Uh, we're going to go on this thing on Monday from Brand South Australia. Uh, talk a little bit about, because obviously this is a, a huge undertaking to present this, so I want to honor the sponsors that take the care and the risk and actually support the arts in a real way. So let's platform some of those sponsors that are so, I think, integral and wonderful Mm. here in Adelaide. Absolutely. I
1: mean, we have um, a rare relationship with uh, the bank, Bank South Australia, Bank SA. Yes. Now, they have been our principal partner for 15 years. And when sponsors come on, with significant funds and significant um, support, but not only that, but they stay with you year on year, then the relationships are so important. Now, I mean, the bank isn't just about giving us some money and then we put their logo on. They, tonight, in a minute straight after this, I'm actually going to a big dinner with their foundation arm of the bank which is something they do every year at the fringe hundreds and hundreds of people come to this big dinner that they do they have um, massive um, offerings to customers they make uh, great discount offerings for tickets that they then subsidize so the artist doesn't lose any of the income They, uh, we utilize their branches. They do so many wonderful initiatives that are way beyond just giving us a bit of a sponsorship. Yeah, and some
0: swag. But they also realize, which is very encouraging for you and for me and for everybody that does what we do, Mm. it shows that they recognize that arts is a great way to platform your brand.
1: Absolutely. And they also know that, um, going back to that thing about the Adelaide Fringe being an important um, uh, piece of fabric in South Australian life and in the hearts of everyone in South Australia, so the bank wants to be associated with the thing that that the South that South Australians love, and they can see that um, you know arts and the Fringe is one of the best platforms in South Australia to support and be connected to, but they they really do. Want to make sure that their support goes all the way through to the artists, and so that's what we So let's talk about like. that.
0: Like, how does the box office work for artists? Uh, the, who gets what of the money? Does the so? Um, we uh
1: we take a booking fee, and there's um.
0: So when I buy a ticket on your platforms for a French show, so I'm a couple
1: of dollars will be in the booking fee, right. for example, and then. Um, okay, so a couple of dollars will be in the booking fee, and then we pay whoever registered the show the box office. So
0: now, th- th- don't talk over that too quickly. That's unique and not so common that the artist gets to walk away with the majority of the box office.
1: That's right, but the artist and the venue have done a deal that we don't know what the detail. We don't know the gotcha. details of that deal. Okay, so some of them might be a sixty forty split in favor of the artist. Or some of them might be a seventy thirty. Some of them might be eighty twenty. Some of them might be a hundred percent to the artist. But then there's a flat rental fee that they're paying the venue right. per night. So last year, for example, we sold um, I think eighteen million dollars worth of tickets, and that's the th- with with Adelaide Fringe and with Fringe in general, ticket prices are very affordable. They're thirty dollars, forty dollars. They're not they're not hundred dollar, two hundred dollar tickets. Um. The, so, that even though it was you know it might be selling nearly a million tickets, um, box office is around about eighteen million dollars. Right. So, um. Of that, we you know the majority you know more probably about a million of that stays with us from booking fees, and that's to cover. I mean, our our ticketing platform probably costs the fringe around about 1.8 million a year because we have box offices that we build all over town we have the web stuff that we yeah, a constantly lot of mm, overhead hundreds of staff that we employ we have a call center we have all sorts of um, in um, we, we offer lots and lots of great unique ticketing services particularly for people with access needs and so we don't we go above and beyond a service that no other existing ticket platform, we couldn't just bring someone in because no one would be willing to – because we're not for profit, so we spend all of our ticketing – Booking fees on delivering the ticket shows. We don't the look actual, for a profit. Yeah, yeah. so we build and, as you would have noticed, and
0: I'm sure sponsors respond to that very positively, knowing that their sponsorship mm. is going to make culture in Adelaide a reality.
1: That's right. So, so of that 18 million, so we pay that. Um, we pay the box office um, to the artists based on whatever their ticket shows were, and then, as I said, they then split the, whatever their deal whatever with the venue is. is. Yeah, they,
0: they they split it up mm. that
1: way. But it's a big injection into the arts community. That it's you know nearly eighteen million dollars. Yes, you know, indeed. And, and this year we may probably sell twenty million. And I hope
0: anybody who's listening that is you know uh, on that fence, like a lot of companies or individuals are, you know, I can't uh, preach loudly enough about how important that sponsorship is. It's amazing. It really, it really makes the engine go and without it where would we be it And
1: I think the thing about sponsorship with the arts is that um, it's not just a transaction of money um, and then we say thank you and put your logo on something. It's much deeper than that. We normally sit down and think, well, what is it that you, what are your values? We we, we tend to work with sponsors who really have company values that line up with And have a social ours. sense and mm. responsibility. And then we also talk about, well, what are the things that you want? So some of our sponsors want public um, awareness of their company, but others... Um, Others don't want that. Some of them want um, a good time for their staff. So some of them sponsor us so that their staff can feel that they're really involved in the Fringe and they can get a behind-the-scenes access uh, to some show, special bookings and so on. So not every uh, company has the same uh, reasons for sponsoring the arts and they get more. They get all different things out of it. Um, yeah, so so that's... Uh, so it's as, cor- it's
0: as varied as the art itself. That's kind Absolutely.
1: of interesting. Yeah, and... I would never say to an um a fringe artist around I would never say to an artist around the world, Come to Adelaide, you're gonna you're gonna be a big hit and you're gonna make money. It's not something I could ever be sure of. I mean there are a lot of artists who do walk away with great box offers, but there's also a lot of artists who don't walk away with much box offers and hopefully they walk away with some deals from the honey pot. But I, wo- I I would say that there's multiple layers of opportunities for artists who come to Adelaide. And if they do their work, do their homework, if they do their preparation before they come, mm-hmm. they will get a lot more. We've got. We're now. That's that's. We're now one that week. That is in, the truth, right there. We're one week into. The, we're one week in right now, and some people are asking me, "Oh, what about this marketing order?" I was like, "It's a bit late," <laughs> <So> <laughs> but, but we'll do everything we can to help them. I mean, we have big. We we do have staff running around helping everyone do stuff, but. It's so important to prepare. Plan, plan,
0: uh, plan. You know, I'm Heather, I have such uh, admiration for you and what you do. I, I wanted to try to find out when I knew we were going to sit down and chat today, just more about you personally. Okay. You know, how does a person, yeah. like what's your background? How does a person like you come to be the executive director of this amazing thing that you've helped build?
1: Yeah, so... I um, – well, my background is that um, I, I came out of school and I did I, – I actually went and studied engineering first, which didn't last long. One year of that and I was out of there. So <laughs> <like> civil <laughs> engineering, I'd be building bridges, you know. And um, no, I thought, no, this isn't right. I'm in the wrong place. And so I um, – when moved over and I studied film and I did documentary particularly and I – I, I once I graduated I just started making documentaries. I made a lot of documentaries uh really like um for um I made documentaries for the ABC and BBC and Channel 4 and um, all sorts so of. So once you
0: move from engineering to making documentary <laughs> films, did, but did you know right away? It's like, oh yeah, this fits
1: me. I just love it. i found what I, I wanted. Well, I studied uh, filmmaking and um, on graduation, I started making documentaries. But interestingly, at exactly that time is when I also started working at the Adelaide Fringe. So this is like 1992. So a long time ago now, 27, 28 years ago. So I. Started because I pe- I did register an event in the Adelaide Fringe and it was called Shoot the Fringe and it was a Super 8 movie event. So I used to hand out rolls of Super 8 awesome. at the beginning on the first day of Fringe to anyone who owned a Super 8 camera and I used to give them a roll of film. And, and they send ha- them off. They had one <laughs> week to do whatever they want, the film. Um, with no editing, of course, because it was in-camera edit for those days. And so they and then they had to bring me back the roll of film. And then I'd process it. At, there was a little processing place in Adelaide in those days that did Super 8 movies, Kodachrome. And we um, put a screen out, outside on Rundle Street. And we used to, in the final week of Fringe, we used to project all the movies. And they were amazing. I'm sure that was Some, a huge hit people loved it I did um, I produce I made shoot I uh, I ran shoot the fringe for 10 years so we registered it in every fringe you know for those years so weirdly when I graduated from film school I started to you know, be a creative and be the producer and director. But parallel to that, on another track of the line, there I was also doing events. So I was doing um, shoot the fringe. Then I started to, as I said, I started to make a lot of documentaries, and I got asked to be the director of the documentary festival in Australia.
0: Um, what was that here in Adelaide or at where? the
1: time it was here? Australian International Documentary Conference (AIDC), and that's when I. Um, Started to that's when I started to create. The are meat you a market. hometown
0: girl? Is this your are, um? Are I you was
1: born in England, but um, I, I grew up in South Australia and I did go to school in Adelaide, yeah. And then after um, doing um, the the documentary festival here, I got asked to uh, direct a big documentary festival in England, and that's where the the creation of the meat market really took off. So I created this thing called the meat market, which fast became one of the most. Um, creative documentary marketplaces in the world, and Fabulous. people from all over the world came there, and a lot of incredible films. And did you know
0: right away with Meat Market, uh, I'm I'm clearly onto something here. This is serving both sides of the equation.
1: Yeah. So I I just knew that um, it was based on what people wanted out of it. It w- I I talked to a lot of um, film funders. And I talked to a lot of filmmakers and I asked them all the things they wanted. What would be the perfect market? And I asked a lot of the television commissioners and the film investors, what would, what do you want? And so once we listed all these things, that's when I realised we have to create something where all the research is done before they land so that by the time they land, um, we've already emailed them pretty much, these are all the people you should meet. And not, not, not that they can't still have the ad hoc meetings, as they do in festivals all the time. But we, I think you just have to try and make sure that the matchmaking's done before they arrive because otherwise it just becomes like a mother bird with one worm and a thousand baby oh, birds. <laughs> a thousand, baby, a birds. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand <laughs> baby birds. Like, I want some of the worm. And, you know, it's too hectic. And um, that desperation in a creative marketplace is, can be really disheartening.
0: Yeah, and counterproductive. Yeah.
1: And so I, I always wanted to have, like, I, I love a market. In, uh, in the arts, I think a creative marketplace should f- feel so exciting that when you look around the room, it's like, this is really happening. Something's going on right now.
0: I felt very much that way today mm. at what we call the Hive. The Hive, our... The
1: honeypot Hive.
0: Honeypot Hive is a program with the Honeypot where delegates like myself from around the world uh, sit at a table. And we're matched up. Again, I like that the fact that homework is done and we're matched up with shows that we're likely to be interested in. And I just took a half a breath today and looked around that. And I had that feeling exactly as that buzz. I was like, Wow, this is fabulous! This yep. is exactly what it should be.
1: Yeah, because you know, it's it it's uh, it is that it is the slightly awkward thing of the business of the arts coming together with. And the many creative. artists are,
0: are nervous about that, and that's mm. really not their fort.
1: Yeah, we're trying to make sure that they don't feel um, too nervous. We're trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible. As fruitful as possible the meetings hopefully will be and so all that sort of thing is something I you know I just love doing that and um, I also there was a there was a third line I guess in my uh, career which is that I've always been on the forefront of trying to understand cross di- cross-disciplinary cross innovation so I've done a lot of work in um, bringing together of di- Uh, bringing together people of different disciplines so I've done lots of um, laboratory work where I might bring artists together with games designers and interactive coders together with filmmakers and musicians and scientists and you know all that sort of I'm really excited about that kind of melting pot where innovation can really come out of unexpected collaborations right so
0: and and uh, amazing things are born out of that
1: mm, yeah. yeah so that's my yeah they're my passions really is um is su- supporting artists to hopefully uh, find a way to sustain their livelihood uh, do, to do, do you what feel do.
0: genuinely fulfilled in that passion now with your current role
1: yeah, I mean, it is it is a pretty amazing opportunity to have. I mean, look, running the <laughs> it's funny running the adelaide fringe there's so many wonderful things but then of course there's artists that aren't selling and artists that aren't getting exactly what they want and that and then you're i always kind of take the them, mom right i take it to heart <laughs> yeah i mean we have to, we just have to try and make sure that we create those opportunities for as many people as possible but yeah it is it is really fulfilling to see the artists launching out of adelaide fringe and becoming worldwide phenomenon in many cases. and But other people aren't doing it for that reason. Some people are just doing the fringe because it's a bit of a hobby. Yeah. So not everybody is looking to be discovered, obviously. And,
0: and like to quote Shakespeare, sometimes the play is the thing. Yes. They just yes. want to do their show Yeah, in front yeah. of an audience. And there's also just a marvellous platform for that
1: Yeah, here. So for me, it's like... Um, the juggle of i'm still i am still you know i do still have one foot in the filmmaking camp i'm still i'm still making a film at the moment whenever i find time um, but uh, so i'm running this festival which is i just absolutely love doing and i am still uh, connected in that um, interactive immersive world as well so i am uh, still very passionate about trying to push the boundaries around creativity with um, new technologies and old storytelling and bringing together the best of technology and the best of storytelling. I love that. And then, um, and the filmmaking. So, my main problem really is time. I don't have enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's quite a lot. We're you running take out. It of all. Time. Yeah, we're running out. Well, <laughs> us and everybody else, I suppose, right? Time waits for no man. Mm. Uh, well, we're, we're going to quickly run out of time, but I want to. First of all, uh, I think I do speak for the delegates and the artists in saying that you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. Now I always ask this because Fringe also is famous for its kind of wacky fun as absolutely. well. Absolutely. What's the craziest Fringe show you ever saw?
1: Um, so many. <laughs> I know I that mean,
0: in, in Adelaide, that's that's a high really bar. It really is. It really is so many. <laughs> or, or amongst them, what would but be I like just absolutely think, um, out there?
1: I think this show that comes to mind is the show that Richard Jordan and I saw a few years ago, called Balls Deep, and it really is <laughs> Balls Deep. Yeah, <laughs> I, it is the one of the wackiest classic late night fringe shows you ever saw, and I then proceeded to tell you know everybody that they had to go to this extraordinary <laughs> experience, and. It was – it divided people. People looked at me the next day like, like why you, did you why send me to world? that? But Or oh, they s- ran up to me and said that was the best so thing So what happened ever.
0: in that show? Well, give me a quick summary if you can. <laughs> well,
1: um, I did invite one of the politicians to come and see it who is now actually the Premier of South Australia. Oh, wow. Well. And on the opening, um, he's always up for a bit of a high-risk, uh, you know, exciting uh, take – step into the unknown – He's a great – he's a wonderful, wonderful uh, risk-take. When it comes to Fringe, he really supports the artist. And he said to me, I want to go see the Wackiest Fringe Show. So I said, okay, go there. (laughs) And anyway, he said um, on opening night the other day, uh, here this year of Fringe, he is now the Premier of South Australia, and he got on the microphone and he said, "Well, the first time I met Heather and um, at the Adelaide Fringe and asked her for a rec- the wackiest recommendation, she sent me to a show that uh, where the o- within few minutes of the show starting, he had the audience up shaving his body and shaving his genitals, uh, and okay. then <laughs> painting painting him uh, painting him with a big pot of honey, and then suddenly everyone." throwing marshmallows at uh, at him which was, you know, sticking all over him and then he had all sorts of <laughs> other like crazy uh, things that we all ended up throwing at him. But it was a, a wild performance artist who um, he really is a fabulously funny, um, um, thought-provoking clown and his name's Cam Venn and uh, Richard Jordan wrote an absolutely brilliant review of it at the time and I think um, it gave him, you know, a real. It gave him a heck of a lot more ticket sales, I think, than I uh, than he may have got. But no, he he's a perfect fringe artist in that he's doing some. He's pu- he's really doing some stuff that makes you sort of you know. I think I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. The sorts of things he's making you think about. But there's, about, a, but there's he a core was, behind but he had it. A core, there's a soul behind it. And actually, you know. Someone like Cam Venn is definitely, I think he would say, I- extremely influenced by people like Penny Arcade, who have been doing. Well, New this- Yorkers
0: will certainly be familiar with Penny, one yeah. of the uh, groundbreaking performance artists.
1: Yeah. And Cam Venn and Balls Deep were uh, absolutely a show that, you know, 30 years later, would, um, uh, coming out of that whole sort of movement.
0: Yeah, great. Well, listen, Heather, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And I will just uh, wrap it up by saying uh, I took a risk to come all the way literally around the world two years ago. And your festival on every level, every level delivered the goods.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad you took the risk.
0: Yeah. So on behalf of everybody, well done.
1: Thank you, and may, may many more step into the unknown and come and explore Fringe, whether it be in Edinburgh or Adelaide or wherever it be, because it is a magical land.
0: Thanks for listening to the Soho Playhouse podcast. I hope that we inspire you to attend a show at our flagship Soho Playhouse in New York City or at our new location in Las Vegas or for that matter, wherever creative theater lives in your town. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. If you have a question or comment, reach out to us. Our email address is mail at SohoPlayhouse.com. And to find out a lot more about who we are and what we do, go to SohoPlayhouse.com. And remember, as Edward Albee said, people come to Broadway to look, they come off-Broadway to listen. (laughs) you <laughs>